So last week, um, during my message, you got to hear from Brenda Wheel and share her story of God being a healer in her life. This week, you're going to hear from her daughter, Brooke, who is a freshman in high school. So everybody give Brooke a round of applause as she comes up and shares this morning. Okay. Hi, guys. I'm Brooke. I'm Brenda's daughter, and I'm going to be sharing how I came to God. Um, So when I was younger, I used to go around with my mom everywhere she went. I followed her everywhere, Um, including church. I used to follow her to church because I thought it was something fun that she did, and I wanted to try it. Um, And part of that, I always went to what I used to call adult church um, instead of kid church. And I would always just listen to what the pastor had to say and everything like that. And I just thought it was fun. So I followed her around and did it. Um, One day in adult church, there was a baptism that was being held. And I went with my mom to watch it. And as I watched it happen, um, all these people being dumped under the water and being pulled back up, I saw this look of newfound faith in all of their faces. And... I remember after just started, I just started crying and saying that I need to do this. This is something that I need to do. Um, flash forward about four years. I'm 10 years old, and there was a Good Friday service being put together by Chris and Ashley, the very first worship leaders of this church. Um, they set it up specifically for one family at a time, so each family could get the experience that they needed, and. When me and my mom went in, we walked around to all the rooms. And the second to last room, uh, what was inside sent me into a phase of shock that I couldn't escape for hours. Um, I saw Jesus' crown of thorns, the nails from his hands and his feet and his cross. And I remember turning to my mom saying, how could they do that to someone? Why would they do that to someone who helped everyone no matter what? Why? I couldn't stop crying, and it had been hours, and I had no appetite at this point either. Um, and at this point, I knew that church isn't just some fun activity that people do on Sundays. Uh, I realized that church is real, Jesus is real, and God is real. Months later, I was baptized, and At that moment, I felt that newfound faith I saw on those people's faces on the first baptism that I've ever seen. And that's how I came to God. Thank you, guys. We are in the series um, called The Promised One. And uh, throughout the Old Testament, God made these promises about the coming Messiah. And... um, And we're going to be reading another promise, um, another prophecy about the coming Messiah in Isaiah. But before we do, I want to set it up for you so that you understand the context of what's happening um, during this book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is written by the prophet Isaiah. And um, what what you need to know is that at this time, the people of God are split up into two kingdoms. There's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is, was the kingdom of Israel. And, uh, and at this moment, when this prophecy is written, when Isaiah is leading, um, the people of Israel are in captivity. They were once a powerful nation. 
They were once feared by surrounding countries. Now this group of people are now in captivity. And so you could probably say that they probably feel in the dark. Now the southern kingdom called Judah has fallen into a time of unrest. And, and the people of God are actually chasing other gods and, and worshiping false gods. And there are social injustices happening all around them. And so for the southern kingdom, it is a very, very dark time. And I would guess that they're probably asking the same question that we ask today sometimes when we say, God, where are you? How many of you have ever asked that question before? It's church, let's be honest. God, where are you? Where are you in all of this? And this is when Isaiah speaks. Listen to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. So this is a prophetic promise about the coming Messiah that, that a group of people in a deep darkness are going to see a great light that will shine. And so we have to fast forward 600 years and, and 600 years later, Jesus shows up and he's teaching and he's preaching about this light that God has sent him to be. And, and as a matter of fact, we're about to read a passage in John chapter 8 verse 12 where, where it's the feast of the tabernacles are going on and Jesus is teaching in the court of women. Um, in the tabernacle. And so what, what you need to know about the tabernacle, there are different layers, I guess, of, of what people or people can enter and worship in. And so they, Jesus is now in the, what's called the court of women. And this is as far as women could go. And there was another layer in where men could worship. And then a further layer where only priests could worship. And so they're in the court of women where probably the vast majority of people would be because this is as far as women can go. And on either side of this, what's called the court, um, the, the courtyard of the temple are these very, very tall columns. And during the Feast of the Tabernacle, on top of these very, very tall columns are these bowls of oil, um, they're called a menorah, that they would light up during something called the Temple Illumination, the illumination of the temple that they did during the Feast of Tabernacles, right? And so what's happening, the reason they would light these up during this feast and during this celebration was it was as a time of celebrating and remembering what God had done in the Old Testament when he came as a pillar of fire. If you remember when the people of Egypt or the people of Israel left Egypt, it says that God led them by a pillar of fire by night and by a cloud by day. And so this was a celebration, if you will, of that amazing moment that God had with his people. And they were, they were also remembering the prophecies and the promise about this great light that was to come, that would lead the way for them, the Messiah, the light that would shine through all the world. And men would dance, and they would do these dances in the court of the temple, the temple yard, and um, the courtyard of the temple, and during this the Feast of Tabernacles. And they said that this so great that it would illuminate all of the courtyard and that you could see it throughout the city. And so these aren't just little fires. These are balls of light that are lighting up 
everywhere. And this is where we find Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 12, teaching this truth. Are you following? Have I set it up well enough? You understand what's happening here? John 8, verse 12, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. You will have the light that leads to life. Jesus is saying that this light that you're worshiping here, that you're dancing to, that you're waiting for and longing for, that it is me and I am here for all men. What does that mean though? What does that mean when Jesus says, I am the light of the world? What does that mean for us? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for you today? Have you ever thought that? Here's just a few thoughts. Are you ready? The first one is this. If Jesus is the light of the world, if he's the promised light, then what does that mean? It means that Jesus offers us a way out of darkness. So we need to run to his light. Jesus offers us the way out of darkness. So we need to run to his light. For some people, all they know is darkness. Darkness is where they stay. Even when they see the light, they choose the dark. Why? Because the dark is familiar. And, and, and for some people, they feel, you know, I'm not even worthy of living any other way or being any kind of different person. That this is the only way I can choose to live. I deserve the dark. Marvin Stewart robbed a bank in Ohio um, in, uh, I think it was 2000 or 2010. Um, he'd actually robbed a bank before um, when he was a little bit younger. And he was caught and he served, served quite a few years in jail. But when he was released, he never really felt free. So at the age of 76, he decided to rob a bank again in Council Bluffs, Iowa. He walked to the teller at the desk, or at the, the counter, and um, he handed her a note that demanded two $50 bills. And she gave him the money, and he said, tell the police I'll be waiting out in my car. And he did just that. He lit a cigarette, and he sat in the front seat of his car for the police to come. And he was arrested. And he was sent back to prison. When asked why, Marvin said this. He says, I don't have any family. I don't have any family. And I know the prison life. I know what it means to be in jail. I just don't know what it means to be free. For many people, they feel that the darkness is all that life has for them. But it's not. We have a God that says, I am the light of the world and I am offering this light to all men. I am the way out of darkness. I am a new way of living. He says that when you're in Christ, Paul writes this, when you're in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We are made brand new. And I don't care I don't care how long you are in the darkness or what you've done to get there. Jesus is your way out. 
period. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians. He says, you lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. Once you were far away, once you were lost, once you were in darkness, you've been brought near because of what Jesus has done in your life. John writes this about Jesus in John 1 verse 4. He says, In Him was life. And life was the light of all mankind. See, God's calling out to all men and all women, come to me. Let me change your life. Let me bring you hope. Let me show you a new way to live. It's not too late. Jesus offers darkness. We just have to run, run to his light. Here's a second thought. Jesus brings revelation to our lives. So we need to open our life to his light. Jesus brings revelation to our lives. So we need to open our life to his light. Listen to what it says in 1 Chronicles 28.9. It says, For the Lord sees, this is kind of scary, for the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. I mean, think about that. God knows your heart. God knows what you're thinking. He knows every thought. He knows all of your plans. He knows us. But here's the trick. is that we, sometimes we don't know ourselves. We don't know ourselves. And He wants us to see us the way He sees us. And that can be scary sometimes. John chapter 8, Jesus says this. He says, To the Jews who have believed in Him, Jesus said, If you hold to my truth and teaching, you are really my disciples. Read this bold part with me. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He says, if you're one of my followers, if you hold to my teaching, if you turn to him and you hold him up to be the light to our lives, we begin to see us the way he sees us. And that means we get the freedom to be who who he called us to be. Have you ever discovered that looking in the mirror can be a scary thing? (laughs) Especially early in the morning. You get up, you roll out of bed, you walk into the bathroom, and you just flinch. Oh, what am I? I'm looking in a mirror right now, and it's not a pretty sight, right? It is scary sometimes what we see. You flinch. That's why sometimes it can be really hard to go to the doctor. You know, you feel like, I don't know, I just need to go. Something's not quite right. But here's the thing, when we go, sometimes we have to discover some things about ourselves that are scary, that are hard. Taking a close look at me can be scary at times. Here's the thing. The reason that we have to do it is because I may not see the things I don't want to see. Listen to that. I may not see the things I don't want to see. That is why it's so close for us to look. or so, so important for us to look sometimes. And here's the thing, God doesn't do it to shame us. 
God doesn't reveal these things to shame us and to point out all our flaws just so that we feel bad and guilty about ourselves. He does it to help us to take care of the things that get in the way of who he wants us to be. How many of you have ever had a splinter in your hand? When you get a splinter, you pull out the flashlight or you get really close under the light so that you can see where that splinter is, so that you can work it out. If you just, if you leave it alone, it's going to get infected. It's going to hurt worse, right? But you have to expose that splinter to light so that you can see and so that you can dig it out, so you can see where it's at. That's what God's revelation does to us sometimes. Psalms 139, David writes this. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the path of everlasting. He's saying, God, expose your light to me. Search, test No, help me to see me the way you see me, God. If you guys remember back in May, I had a a good friend of mine who was one of my youth leaders. Um, Rick Winford was here before he left to go to Germany as a missionary. And I remember as a teenager, he would always challenge us, because when you're a teenager, you're a knucklehead from time to time, right? Right? And he would tell us, he would say, Jared, I want you to remember this truth. You are a holy, blameless child of God. That is the way God sees you. Now live in that revelation, in that truth. We have to begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. Good and sometimes bad. Here's a third thought. If Jesus is the light, then Jesus gives safety to our lives. Now walk in his light. I took my kids um, when I was in Oklahoma City. We went, did a missions trip in Joplin after the tornado um, that went through Joplin, just absolutely wrecked it. Um, and after working for six days or five days cleaning up and, and um, tearing down houses and picking up trash, um, I took them down to Branson, Missouri, to Silver Dollar City, which is a small theme park in Branson. Anybody been there before? Oh, there's a few. Okay. There, you guys are the only ones. Everybody in our church, you four are the only four that have ever been there before. And me. Oh, okay. Over here, there's somebody. Okay, good. So if you know, for those of you that have been there before, in Silver Dollar City, the very first attraction that you see going into the park is Marvel Cave. And they actually built the park around this attraction. That's what they thought would make it a good location, was this cave that people used to go. As far back as the late 1800s, they would go to this cave and take tours through it. And so Marvel Cave in Silver Dollar City, um, they, if you go through the attraction, one of the, what they do is, is they take you and they show you all these stalactites and stalagmites, and you go, it seems like you walk forever, just down, 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 down. And you get to the very end of the tour, and you enter into this large room. And when you get into this large room, he starts talking about all the things that you'll see inside of it. And, you know, and, and then he says this. He says, I'm about to turn out the lights. And when I do, you're going to experience darkness in a way that you've never experienced it before unless you've been in a cave. How many of you have ever been in a cave before? Now, you don't know dark until you've had the lights go out in a cave. 
Because in life, there are street lights and city lights and the moon and the sun and stars and all these things that give ambient light. But when you're in a cave down in the bottom, what seems like miles away from the entrance, when the light goes out, it's dark. It's like can't see your hand in front of your face dark. It's so dark that your eyes begin to play tricks on you and you begin to see light where there is no light. The guide said this. He didn't tell us he was going to do this going down. But when we got down there, he said, okay, I'm going to turn out the lights. And you're going to experience dark like you've never experienced it before. And what I need you to do is don't get scared. Don't get scared. Don't move. Don't run. Don't try to walk out of the room. Because there are places here that you can get seriously injured. There are holes that we walk beside. There are rails that you can fall over. And if you fall in these holes, you will lose your life. And so when it gets dark, stay where you are. And and we will turn the lights back on, I promise. So we had everybody turn off their phones. And then he turned out the lights and we experienced dark the way we've never experienced it. And then he said this. He said, I'm going to turn the lights back on. But if they don't come back on, don't freak out. We will send somebody down with light to lead the way. Because if you try to go without the light, you're going, there is safety in light. Follow the light. So he turned off the lights. And he, thankfully, they all came back on when he turned them back on. But I remember thinking that truth or hearing that truth. Stay where you are until the light arrives. The worst thing you can do is go walking in the dark. Someone will come to light the way. It is scary how terrifying life can be. And what Jesus is telling us in this moment, he's saying, I am the light. I'll light the way. I'll bring safety to your life. You see, that's why he gave us commands and instructions about how to live this life. He doesn't do it to be like this big jerk that says, hey, I'm going to make a bunch of rules that you need to follow. You know, to, I just, I want to suck all the joy and suck all the life out of your, uh, out of your life. And so these are the rules that you have to follow. That's not what he says. I give you these rules. I give you these instructions. I give you these commands. I show you how to live. Why? Because this is the best and safest way to live life. As parents, we get it, right? That's why we tell our kids, wear your seatbelt. Why do we tell kids to wear your seatbelt? Because if we get in a wreck and they don't have a seatbelt on, what's going to happen? They're either going to get seriously injured or they're going to lose their life. Period. Right? So we say, wear your seatbelt. When, when our kids start riding bikes, we say, hey, wear a helmet. Now, I'm not telling you to wear your helmet so that you look like a dork going around this, you know, hoo-doo, look at my helmet. I do it. I do it. Yeah, that's just a bonus. I do it because when you wreck, and you will wreck, right? Especially when you're a, a you like find every single thing you can ramp off of, right? You're just ramping off everything. Because when you wreck, I don't want you to hit your head on the ground and lose your sense, right? 
I want you to be safe. I don't want you to get a concussion. I don't want you to damage that brain that that you only get one of, right? I, I want you to be safe. It's a rule. It's It's a way of living that protects us from getting hurt. We want the best for our children, right? And so we teach them the way to live that will give them the chance at having the best life. And God does the same. He says, I'm giving you some instructions for safety to have your best life here on earth. Walk in my light. Paul writes in Ephesians, look in your notes. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. In bold, listen. Well, it's not in bold in the Bible, just on these notes. For once, you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Sin, live with this light that Jesus gives. Follow His example. Why? Because it will produce goodness. It will produce rightness. It will produce what is true in this world. God doesn't give us guidelines to hem us in. He gives them to us to set us free. Here's one last thought. If Jesus is the light, then Jesus brings clarity to our lives. So we needed to be guided by his light. I've been to Jamaica on mission trips um, three or four times now. I think it's three, maybe four. I've... When you take 50 or 60 teenagers out of the country, it's a terrifying experience. I don't know if you've ever done it before. It's absolutely terrifying because as the leader that's responsible for these 40 or so little teenage lives running around, all you're thinking is, what do I have to do to get these kids home safe? I mean, I want them to have a good experience, but I want to return them to their parents at the end. I've actually had parents sit me down and say, Jared, look, I will give you an extra hundred bucks just to make sure my kid gets home safe. If there is a fire, make sure mine gets pulled out first, and I will reward you very well for that, okay? So you're thinking, I've never actually had a parent give me that hundred dollars, but they've made lots of promises. And it's terrifying. Even though in Jamaica they speak English, they speak a different type of English. It's lots of slang and lots of, you know, I'm not even going to try to do it because I'll just make a fool of myself up here. But what's amazing when I go on this trip, and I've been on this trip many times, is that when we get off that plane and we walk out of that airport, there is somebody waiting waiting for us that knows the way, that knows where we're staying that knows where we're going, that knows where we're serving, that can say, hey, Jared, we need to stay out of this part of Kingston because it's not too safe, so we're going to go this way and we're going to do this and this is the church you're staying at. And I can rely on them to make sure that we stay safe and that we have the experience that God wants us to have. Right? It's nice having a guide. I don't... I don't want to drive in Jamaica. If you've ever driven in a foreign country, it is crazy. I don't want to drive there. 
So it's nice to have someone to say, hey, let me show you the way. Let me do this for you. Let me be your guide. And that's Jesus. Jesus has been where you're going. As we face all the issues of our lives, it's amazing to me that Jesus is usually the last person that we turn to when we need help. And not the first. Look what James, this is the brother of Jesus, he writes in his book, James. James 1.5 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. John 14.6, Jesus says this, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. If you're going through a, face t- a, a, a hard time and you need wisdom, who should you ask? It's not a trick question. Everybody say, Jesus. If you're trying to find your way through life, to who should you look to? Jesus. He's been where you're going. And he'll bring clarity to your life. To people walking in darkness, Jesus promised, or God promised, I'm going to send you a great light. Jesus was standing in the temple courts and he says, I'm the light of the world. Because he's the light, he, he gives us a way out for those of us that are in darkness. Because he's the light, he, he gives revelation to our life. And so we need to open up our life to it and say, God, help me to see me the way you see me, God. Because he's the light, he brings safety to our life. Because he's the light, he brings clarity. And so we're going through the stuff of life. He's the one that guides us by his light. We need to turn to it and see through it. I'm going to pray for us. Sarah and the worship team, would you guys come back up? And after I pray, and as we're singing the closing song, we actually have some tables here with candles. Maybe, maybe you need some light in an area of your life. Maybe you need, maybe you need a way out. You've been living in darkness. And, and you need a way out. And, and you feel really strongly that, that, that this is that moment where God, where Jesus is going to be that light that shows you the way out of the darkness that you're in. Maybe you want to come light a candle as a symbol of that light that Jesus wants to, to play and wants to be for you. Maybe you need some revelation or some clarity. And you're, you're saying, Jesus, God, help me through this situation. I don't know. I, I need wisdom from you. Maybe you can come and light a candle and say, say, Jesus, give me the wisdom that I need. Bring me the clarity that I need for life. Maybe it's safety. Maybe you're going through a tough moment or a tough season or you're making some tough choices in life over these next few weeks and you say, God, I want to be in the center of you. I want to be kept safe. I want to follow your light. Maybe you come and you light a candle just saying, Jesus, I, I need your safety. Father, the chance had to hear from you to experience you. And, and God, you, Jesus, you came to be the light of all man to be the light of the world, to bring us safety, to bring us clarity, to bring us revelation, to show us a way out of the darkness that we find ourselves in from time to time. Father, I pray that as we sing this song and we interact with you, that your Holy Spirit would convict where we need convicting, that you would teach where we need being taught, that you would give us wisdom in in confusing places, that you would 
bring clarity and safety. That You would be the light that shines in our life in Jesus' name. You are the light of the world. And we are so grateful for that. Come to us, light. Help us to see. In Jesus' name, amen.